In fourth grade, I got caught cheating in school. I got caught cheating on an assignment called SRAs, and I'm not at any level proud to say that, but I want to explain to you the circumstances in which it occurred. See, our fourth grade class worked on a system, and the system was is that through certain school activities, if you did them well, you earned points during the week, and you had a goal of how many points you wanted to earn, and I always wanted to not only exceed my goal, but I wanted to have more points than anyone else in the class, and one of the major impediments to that happening were SRAs. SRAs were self-graded reading comprehension assignments, meaning you would read a couple of pages of something incredibly boring and have to answer 20 questions on it and then grade yourself. And they took up a ton of time and they weren't worth many points on our system. And so I was always just frustrated, even though I usually did pretty well on them. So one day I decided to just give myself the score that I knew I normally got on the SRAs. It took a fraction of the time and I could move on to other activities where I could start earning more points. System in my own mind was working fine, was even justifiable, until one Friday afternoon our teacher, Miss Kilpatrick, announced to the class that before we left for the weekend she was collecting our SRA booklets to just check them over. I remember my heart sinking. I turned mine in and then I went to the one place on school that I figured no one would know where I was and no one would be able to find me, the library. I was there for just a few minutes when all of a sudden another student in my class came running in saying, Thomas, Miss Kilpatrick wants to see you right now and she's really upset. I knew what that meant and I went walking back to the classroom with my heart just uh, kind of sunk down low. She showed me my SRA booklet and said, it looks like you've been giving yourself scores that you didn't earn. That started the beginning of a very, very long weekend. My parents were called in for a parent conference. Uh, the whole weekend was spent in my room. I either got to think about what I had done or have one of my parents in there yelling at me, which was very well deserved. I remember feeling angry that weekend because people kept asking me if I needed help uh, to just let folks know. And I was like, no, it's not that I need help. I just don't want to do these silly assignments that take up so much time that prevent me from getting the scores that I want to get in the rest of the week's work. But I also distinctly remember how ashamed I felt at having to go back to school on Monday and face Miss Kilpatrick again. Miss Kilpatrick, my teacher, was one of those heroic figures in my life. I had had her for third grade. She was just an unbelievable teacher. She had started teaching fourth grade. When I went to fourth grade, I got her again. I, I had her for almost two years, and I adored this person. And all of a sudden, she had seen something in me that was incredibly embarrassing, and I dreaded walking back into the classroom on Monday. It had showed something about my character that I didn't want her to know. It didn't define my character, but it was a part of my character that I didn't want someone else knowing. Character is what we're going to be talking about this morning in worship. Character, Paul says, is an essential part of you and I living with hope. This second week of our What Never Changes series, we're talking about this journey in Romans 5 that Paul takes us on from how hope emerges out of suffering and difficulty and trial he says there's three movements that God's redemption looks like for real hope to exist in difficult times. He says the first thing is that suffering produces endurance, which we talked about last week. 
He says, secondly, endurance then produces character, which we're talking about today. And finally, next week, he says, character then produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. But it's important this week to see that character, the building of character to Paul, is an essential part in every one of our lives if we're going to have hope, if we're going to have purpose in our lives for the intentional building of character. So what I want to do for a few minutes is talk about, number one, what do we mean and what does Paul mean by character? And secondly, how do we see it flourish in us? How does it formed in us? First, what does it mean? Well, the dictionary defines character in this way. It says the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Character is neither good nor bad. It just describes us. You can have parts of us that exhibit great character and parts of us that exhibit bad character. A way of understanding it better comes, as many things do in life, through the game of basketball. The coach of UCLA in the 1960s won many national championships. Hall of Fame coach John Wooden. This is what he writes about character. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. The true test of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. The true test of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. How big is the gap in your life between what you say you want to be about and what your life looks like when no one's watching? How do we understand how we build and form character? And if it's what it is when we're, we're doing when no one's watching, we have to then finally to understand what Paul's getting at, understand what the scale is of how we define good character. Because in different essays and different articles and different books, character is actually lifted up in different ways. For example, in a Google search, I found a, a best-selling book on how to develop character in your office space that leads to a successful company. But there's also a blog post on how to develop character in your young children. Now, these weren't opposed to each other, but they were listing up some different qualities in one another. They had a little bit different scales of character. So the last thing we need to look at in understanding character, which Paul says is so important, is what's the scale to understand? The Greek word that Paul uses here is a, is a really fun one to say. It's dokemein, dokemein. Dokumen describes the kind of word that we translate as character, and dokumen means a, a battle-tested, hardened character. It's durable, it's proven, and it's a character in us that not only is durable, but it's a character that exhibits the character of God, a, a character that is grace-filled, that enters into the lives of others, that's empathetic, these are the words we even see here. Not only do we see it exhibited in the life of Jesus, but it's the language that Paul uses here in Romans 5. He, he talks about, that Jill just read, the idea of God sharing in our suffering so that we can share in his glory. These are grace-filled relational terms of God reaching out to us in our need and not leaving us where we are. He talks about the Holy Spirit being poured into our hearts and living within us. Again, this highly relational connection of God and his grace reaching out to us. This is what the character of God is. Is. And what Paul is saying is that if you and I are going to have hope, that endurance starts producing this distinct kind of character in us if we look to build towards it. 
And when we have that, there's something in us that is hopeful that comes alive because we start reflecting the image of, the, of God's character. We start living into something that's bigger than just ourselves. This is the kind of character that Paul's saying is essential if hope is really going to exist in times of difficulty. So how do we cultivate it? Now that we understand what it is, how do we cultivate it? How is it formed in our life? And when he suggests a process to us that actually comes from a really wonderful little book on uh, character that's written by David Brooks, and it's entitled The Road to Character. In this little book, Brooks, like the Apostle Paul here, talks about the fact that character is absolutely essential. And he says that for those of us that sit in that John Wooden quote and say, oh my gosh, character is what I do when no one's watching. That's not something that I'm necessarily very proud of. Brooks says the good news is, is it's never too late to start building character. Character's absolutely essential, Brooks says, to a purposeful, joy-filled, hopeful life. Just like what Paul writes about here. All of us need this. But none of us are just born with character. And therefore, no matter who you are, it's never too late to start working on the formation of our character. And Brooks' suggestion in this book is that part of how we form character, it comes through spiritual disciplines, it comes in a number of different ways. But Brooks' premise in the book is that one way it's formed is through knowing good character in others and catching it from them, letting it rub off on us in a kind of way. And so I ask you to think this day, who are the people that have exhibited high character in your life and in your story, and particularly today on Mother's Day, who are the women? All of us have women that God has given into our life, mothers, grandmothers, aunts, mentors, friends who have exhibited this to us. And as we sit with it and think about those examples, Brooke says over the time it rubs off on us and becomes a part of us and hope then becomes more a part of us. And when I think in my own story about that, I think back to that fourth grade classroom on Monday when I went walking in to face Miss Kilpatrick in all of my shame. I kept my head very low as the day began, but it didn't take long for Miss Kay to come walking up to my table that morning and ask to speak to me out in the hallway. Everyone watched me as we walked outside because this is not how teachers normally started their Monday. I walked out into the hallway with her and she looked at me and said, I have been thinking about you all weekend. Thomas, I was so surprised and so disappointed at the choices that you made. But I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I care about you. I want you to know I'm glad you're here today and I think you're gonna learn from this. I think you're going to make a lot better choices going forward. So let's have a good day. Let's have a good week. Let's move forward. And she gave me a hug. And I can tell you, no exaggeration, that I walked back into that classroom with my head held a little higher and a little bit different than how I had walked out to face what I thought was going to be her wrath or her disappointment. Who are the people, who are the women whose character has shaped and formed you? And how can we reflect on that and allow it to rub off on us and become a part of us today in this journey towards hope? 
I want to close with an activity that was well known uh, as used by Fred Rogers, the children's TV personality. Both publicly and privately in different times, he would invite people around him to spend a few minutes in silence to reflect on the people whose love and formation had allowed each of us to get to the point where we are now. And so I'm going to invite us into a few seconds of silence. I want to invite you in your own mind to think about the women whose character and godliness has formed you. And as we reflect together for a few seconds of silence, may their example rub off on us as we together continue to journey towards hope. Let's take a couple of seconds together. Lord, we give you thanks. Amen. And amen.